0: Dropout Podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Adventuring Academy. My name is Brennan Lee Mulligan. I'm here with my good friend, Amy Vorpal. Hello! (laughs) Uh, To all the cameras. Hello to all the cameras. (laughs) Uh, We are here today talking, as always, about running tabletop RPGs, how we do them, how we set them up, best practices, guidelines, tips and tricks. Amy is a whirlwind of nerdy entertainment on the internet. <laughs> uh, you can find her stuff on Nerdist, Geek & Sundry, D&D Beyond, all over the place. You can see her on, uh, even here on Dropout with uh, the episode of I'm um, Actually. A couple episodes, actually. I uh, think three. Ooh, yeah. very exciting. You're
1: never getting away from me.
0: No, 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 and we wouldn't dare <laughs> try. Um, uh, this uh, podcast, if you're listening to this, uh, is available uh, on Dropout, uh, our streaming service, our subscription service here. Uh, College Humor. Uh, If you're not listening to it on Dropout, it means it's been a couple weeks after all of our Dropout subscribers got their hands on it. Uh, And we're putting this up as well on CH2 but only a couple weeks later. If you want the the good stuff, you gotta head over to Dropout.
1: Yeah, you gotta go to Dropout. All the kids are talking about it. You're gonna get the first-hand info. You know, you you can know all the stuff that we say about each other way before everyone
0: else. The biggest feature on Dropout is we have a giant gossip book. It's enormous and it's all of our crushes and all of our beefs that we're having with each other. It's the good stuff. You really gotta head over there. Um, I've made a promise that that people will be mad now if they can't find that gossip book. Housewives of College Humor. (laughs) (laughs) so Amy, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Uh, you're preparing right now to run a game tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, uh, which is really exciting. You're running it for I don't D&D
1: know. Beyond. I don't know when this goes live, but yeah, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow in
0: real world. It will, real world. This will be released sometime afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you're running a game for a bunch of awesome players: Ty Kenrick, D and D Beyond, and also Patrick Rothfuss, who yeah. wrote "Name of the Wind" and "Wise Man's Fear." That's right.
1: And needs to, and he knows. He knows what he's got to do. Yeah. He knows he's got to finish that third book. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. We're all waiting. He knows. I'm just
0: waiting here, waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting. How yeah,
1: does it? Yeah, I met him. I met him, and actually, I met Todd too at Hole Con when we played that massive. Um, apparently, uh, it's it's weird to call D and D a career, but yeah, like c- kind of career changing moment, or at least a. A high point where I peaked and everything else is downhill from there. Um, but in that one game that Chris Perkins ran, and uh, we had such a good time together that we thought, well, yeah, we should play D&D again together, so why not during the holiday season?
0: It's so goddamn rad. <laughs> uh, it's so rad. Uh, yeah. Speaking of sort of professional D&D playing, um, you've run a bunch of games, you've played in a bunch of games. We were talking a little bit about this before, but it was interesting to talk about like streaming versus home games. Uh, do you find that your play style changes somewhat from one to the other as a player or a DM when you're doing stuff kind of for the camera versus doing stuff in your home game?
1: There are always, there are always certain things that you have to be aware of um, on a stream, like crosstalk, that's the main difference. Does it always happen? <laughs> no. The main the main thing, and I I would say I'm more, or at least I've had just. All my years of experience, which is almost twenty, has been as a player, and then only in the last couple of years have I, you know, ventured over across the line on the other side of the desk to be the or the other side of the screen to be the dungeon master. But um, no, I don't think there's a lot that's different because the main goal, which no one ever talks about, it's not in the books, but the main goal is to make your friends laugh and and care. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Minus to make them cry, but yes, to feel strong feelings. To
1: feel strong feelings, so I, I, the impetus is equal in both, in
0: both mediums. I really agree with that, and it's funny because obviously the differences between streaming and home games are, I think, the degree of polish and the degree of like, oh, no cross talking. Focus on this stuff. Focus on that. Uh, but largely, what I love about the D streams that I watch and enjoy and play is the pure, unadulterated joy of tapping into someone else's fun. It's kind of, I'm gonna really blow up my own spot here and say I also, when I'm feeling down sometimes, I will watch blind auditions from The Voice. From and it's true, I will do it, but. Wait, why? I do it because I like to watch the parents' reactions. When they cut over to the parents, there is nothing more pure on this (laughs) earth. The singing's fine, whatever, judges, coaches turn around. That's not what I'm in for. I want to see that dad fucking lose his shit when his kid, because. When a good thing happens to you, you always have. You can't really ever fully enjoy something good that happens to you because you have to like, like you know, have perspective, mm-hmm. be humble, don't get a big head, don't let it go to your head. When you see these parents watch their kids when it is the most pure, unadulterated thing. And I think a lot of why people enjoy streaming of any let's play or actual play variety, be it video games or something else, is you're watching genuine, authentic reactions. You're watching people really feel your joy.
1: And the I mean the other reason that we shouldn't take away from people is that be, as an adult playing D&D and getting a group together is the hardest mother effing thing in the whole world. The key the key opponent um, like your the key mm-hmm. antagonist of that goal to get your friends together is children is babies. Why? And those are amazing creatures and so you can't fault anybody for not for like choosing to spend time yeah. with their baby over playing D&D with me. But <laughs> getting a group of adults together for any reason, whether it's just to eat food or to hang out or talk or to play D&D is a feat in and of itself. Yeah. So we need to like hold those glasses up and sometimes you just can't do it. Because of your friends who have babies, um, so you you c- come in on a stream, and ideally everyone isn't isn't just performing; everyone is hanging out and having fun, and you get to come along for the ride.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of which, actually, this ties into first of all, you can blame babies.
1: I have, and I will, and I will continue <laughs> to do it.
0: You can blame babies. Um, there's actually this, uh, uh, I won't talk about this, because this, you're hitting on one of our uh, lovely audience questions here, so I'll just, uh, this is from Kamania. Uh, our questions are submitted via our Discord server, our Dropout Discord server. So you guys sign up for Dropout if you want to submit questions and get them answered.
1: Dropout guys, like seriously, why are you not on
0: Dropout? There were 18 kids outside the office with skateboards today, and they were all talking about Dropout. And I was like, you guys know this is crazy. You're skateboarding outside where we make the stuff.
1: Oh and wow, yeah, they had tattoos. They were they were just they had a song written about. They had Dropout? a whole song. They yeah. just f-
0: broke into freestyle rapping, and they were like, "Fuck you, old man. We don't want to hear your shit. We're talking about Dropout." And it was mm-hmm. like I work, I fully work there, and they were like, "We haven't, we don't." Know Make the connection. Connection. <laughs> How do you keep attendance going strong? All games I DM fall apart due to player commitment. Kamania, Kamania, thank you for the question, and I feel your pain.
1: That is a tough question. Um, number one, like let's just go for it. You got to get rid of those babies. Um, no, the the man, time
0: will do it eventually. Time will eventually turn those babies into adults. So,
1: I. It is, it is tough. I will say, like, your game falling apart has nothing to do with you. Like, let's not blame, you know, ourselves. Life happens, life gets in the way. The main, the main reason that any game continues has actually nothing to do with the Dungeon Master. I'm lucky in that a group of people, a group of friends wanted to play D&D and tapped me, and I just happened to know some of them. And I am never responsible for planning it. We never do it at my place. We do it at someone else's home. And anytime, like the texts start back up of like, I'm hungry for d and I get so much joy in my heart, because it's not my prerogative. It's theirs, and it's their time. So I think the main reason is don't look to cast people with who you think will play. It's like, if somebody wants to play, it's like, Put it together, group of friends. I will, I will dance the dance with you um, as a dungeon master. But you guys have to want to spend time together anyway. It's it's tougher as a DM to you know cast and put together, and this person wants to play from this group, and then force them to be friends. Um, that that is infinitely harder.
0: That's a really great point that I have felt in my bones for a long time, but have never been able to put into as succinctly as you just did. Which is that idea of I. Need m- more legwork from the players. Like, I need players to come up and be like, We got the cabin, we got the weekend, we cleared it with your schedule, everything's taken care of. If you just sh-. DMing is a lot of fucking work. Yeah. And if the DM is also the de facto producer producer of the group, that's a lot. That's a little unfair. It,
1: it is and it's what I found out with improv groups in the same way where, you know, like if I I was so excited about it, but there's got to be some balance of equal equal excitement between everybody or at least two or three people um, and it has to be shared and uh I, are you the one yeah. planning weekends? No,
0: yeah, well, funnily enough there's a weird analogy to when I was an improv coach as well, yeah. which whenever I got an email as an improv coach being like, hey, we'd love to have you be a coach. We're thinking of starting up a practice group. What's your availability? I never said it as curtly as I wanted to, but I always wanted to be like, no, no, that's not how this works. You get your friends together, you pick a specific date and time, and then I'll give you a yes or no. If I give you a no, you find a different coach. That's how that has to work. I'm not going to check my schedule Mm-mm. and then. Wait. Get me off of your doodle. I am not doodling. Get me off the fucking doodle. <laughs> not going to doodle. Right? I, yeah. Because then it's like.
1: That is not fun. D&D is supposed to be fun, fun. and you're not making this fun. Right.
0: So w- actually, I do agree that, especially if you're getting someone to DM, as players, you can take a lot off of that by like getting your group together and being like, okay, who can DM here? Or how can we make this as expedited as possible? I will say this, so I kind of shouldn't weigh in on this issue because I have some, I have a little gem in my heart that I, I understand people are rightfully jealous of, which is, how do we get that gem? How do we get that gem? Uh, I have a game that I've been running for nine and a half years. Oh
1: yeah, you can, can I
0: curse on here? Yeah, you can curse. You can
1: fuck right off. <laughs>
0: I've been running it since I was 21 years old. It's a 3.5 D&D campaign. They are now at 17th level. Do y'all still
1: play 3.5? You haven't? Still play
0: 3.5. Okay. Yep, we still play 3.5. That crunchy, hockey sticky. I loved it.
1: I I came into D&D on 3.5. I have nothing bad to say about it.
0: 3.5 fucking rules. Flanking. L- flanking <laughs> Come on. fucking all this crazy, how your attack bonus and AC, all the fucking bonuses that add up forever and ever. Look. I'm gonna defend 3. sneak attacks are
1: uh, broken, broken to bits.
0: <laughs> uh, it's a, fu- it's crazy because rogues get like two or three attacks, and if you're getting sneak attack, you're getting all, all those fucking attacks yes. around. It's real goofy. But the the thing I will say about 3.5 too is people will be like that are advocating for 5e will be like you like 3.5 more than 5e, and be like look. Hands down, Five E is a better designed game than 3.5. Merle, I didn't know where you were going
1: with that, but okay, I'm glad we're on the same. It's a better
0: designed game. Five E is easier for new people to come into. You can make a first level character in 20 minutes instead of an hour. It's you're you're ready to go with Five E. It's a better designed game. Let's. Ask though, is it a better designed game if you've already put eight years into getting good at one of them? <laughs> yeah, no one. I guess no one can fault you for that, right? <laughs> like that's the thing. Is that it? it's sort of. It, well, the the question would be like, uh, uh, it's. The, I think it's very similar to talking about automatic versus stick, where it's like, oh, it's easier to learn to drive automatic, obviously if you've already learned Stick, every single person I know that drives Stick is gonna be like, oh, Stick's way better. And I am that way with 3.5, where yeah. I'm like.
1: "Well, well, I mean, that's a good analogy because it is, there." Uh, one of the things I think is really good about D&D as an RPG system, having played a bunch of RPGs, is that it, it the, cr- the crunchiness doesn't go as far as Shadow run but it's crunchy enough where there's this really cool structure so that you're you're demanded to be a little more creative on the outside. So 5E while it's a little more relaxed um the demand for creativity it, it, it the onus
0: is a little harder to to achieve I yeah, guess. Ab- I mean absolutely. Also just in terms of the design of it In five E, when somebody makes the choice to multi-class, it's a big deal. You're like, whoa. Like you really wanted to go wizard and fighter rather than like, you know, like doing one of the subclasses that gives you a little bit of magic or something else like that. In three point five if you're not multi, if you have, if you get to twentieth level and you don't have like six or seven classes in three point five, you fucked up. You fully <laughs> fucked up. You're like, wait, you put eighteen levels in sorcerer? They don't have a class feature <laughs> yes. past first level. Yeah. Why are you not taking Abjurant <laughs> champion? What's the fucking problem? Uh, uh, but. So that is sort of fun in and of itself. Also with 3.5, when you get to a certain level of mastery, my friend Jack Covell, dear friend of mine, played, he's in the nine and a half year long campaign. He has made characters, you know, like we were doing some high level campaign and he made this character that was like, I'm a first level Fiend of Possession, second level this thing, third level that, four levels of here, this and that. And I was like, I don't see how any of this synthesizes. And he's like, well, here's the thing. Fiend of Possession lets me Possess enemies in combat as though through the magic jar ability. This other class allows me to treat objects like people. This third thing lets mm. me do this other thing. He's like, so I can possess objects and turn them into magical items. It's so, like, okay, first fight we get into, someone's like, I cast fireball. Jack's turn comes around and he's like, I turn into a laser wagon and I run them <laughs> over. And I go like, what? It's a brilliant energy wagon. Yeah. They bypass their armor, I run them over, they're all dead. That's amazing. And it's like, hey, Five E's cool. No laser wagons. The
1: other thing that Five E does, yeah, it's it, it's 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 hard to it's hard to uh, insult it when it's so accessible for new players. Also, in line with the character building of the bonds, the flaws, and the ideals that they they give you you know they give you at least a starting point if you don't want to take any of those you at least get what that is then you can start to build your character and for people who don't have the i guess performance or actor or character building or writer background great you don't need it like this yeah. this is the core this is what you would be doing um as that as that creator so it's nice it's nice to it's it's kind of it's it's tr- it's changed into where alignment is is flavor now and the bonds, ideals and flaws are actually taking over how you play the
0: character. I really enjoy that. And alignment has always been sort of a weird thorn in the side of D&D where it it doesn't feel as descriptive or appropriate for the level of nuance and complexity. The main
1: the main thing I've run into especially with new players is they'll they'll build their character they don't quite understand alignment blah blah blah. We get into the third session and they're like, "Wait, I wanted to be oh wait, well, can I I wanted to be chaotic I wanted to be chaotic neutral. I I I chose lawful lawful neutral. I don't want that." And mm. you're like, well, fucking fine. Like, <laughs> like, what well, change, it. I, change care. it? I don't give But, a shit, but yeah. like, like the building of it, it just seems so hammered in stone, and and you get so like weird about it, where it's like, no, no, no. The the bond's ideals and flaws will do that work for you. Don't even worry about it.
0: Yeah, it's a funny thing. I think the reason D and D can't escape alignment because it does. It, it's as someone who's studied both. I formally studied philosophy in college. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, the level of nuance that is missing by just going like lawful to chaotic, good to evil, there you go. There's like a lot of nuance missing in terms of really how people operate and also in terms of psychology. Well,
1: what, mainly what I also get is like clerics or paladins who are like, so I'm lawful, but I have my own laws, and, yeah. and you know where it's like, uh, yeah, my I made up a deity, and this deity is, is an anarchist, and that's who I serve, and you're like, well, oh yes, sure. like, but why did you have to be, like why do we have to make this a lawful thing, can't, like j- just to get our minds around it, like you're chaotic, you're clearly chaotic,
0: sir. If, if I can get very cynical for a second, I would also say that mostly people are not motivated by ideological codes, yeah, people okay, are yeah. motivated by impulse, and and construct ideological codes to justify and rationalize what they were already going to do. Maybe that's too cynical, but that's no, what I that's think.
1: I, that's that's what it should be too. And that's where you're. That's where. Yeah, yeah. Bonds,
0: bonds, flaws and ideals is actually kind of truthful. Yeah. uh, An old professor of mine had this great thing. He said, "Where he said on the level of individuals and civilizations, personality predates ideology. Meaning, before you were a fascist, you were a bully and an asshole. (laughs) Right. In other words, your your idea. What we talk about as philosophy or ideology is really, again, it's a little scaffolding you're putting on the outside of who you are. Right. And I think that's kind of critical, that's important to understand that, especially when you're building characters. That being said, I think that there are reasons that you can't abandon alignment that actually have to do with cosmology, which is that, you got demons and fiends and celestials, right? And right. there's certain clerical and paladin magic that really does fun. It's yeah, there's yeah. a really fun thing where I was in a campaign that my friend Molly Ostertag was running, and uh, the character was like was like I I was playing a very lawful good, actually like rogue character, and which was very fun. They were yeah. like a very dutiful like tomb raider for an adventuring <laughs> for academy. Sure. Like well, I'm gonna steal all this stuff and then log it in the museum registry like Indiana Jones is like. <laughs> (laughs) A lawful good, (laughs) right? Um, But uh, what ends up happening is uh, someone was like, "Well, I don't believe that you know it's you see everything in terms of black and white, and there are shades of gray." And I was like. That demon is made of evil. Yeah. Substantively. Right. We've seen someone get sucked to hell. These <laughs> concepts are kind of black and white. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, there may be shades of gray in between the fiends and celestials that occupy the polar points on the spectrum. Uh, Where we are on
1: this plane. Yeah, really yeah. hard
0: to be like a freshman year relativist in a world with Beator and Mount <laughs> Celestial. Uh, yeah. Uh, I feel like. Like we just had a bunch of fun and went yeah. way far away from this question. How about that tangent? Uh, I love it. Nine and a half year long campaign. The, the you, yeah,
1: congrats. Do you want a, an award? I don't know what you're do- doing here. Like, con- congratulations.
0: We started playing it was twenty one, and the the campaign took off. It's called Aerodane. It's this very. It's like a very Miyazaki steampunk esque, like Zeppelins, but also like old forest spirits and muskets and sky trains and that kind of like you know an age of innovation and exploration kind of thing, right? Um, uh, So many mustaches. So many mustaches (laughs) there. Uh, We played once a month or once every two months for like six years and then our first person moved to California.
1: Oh, in this case, not a baby.
0: Not a baby, moved to California and we went, and then like four months in or six months in, we were like, oh, the person's coming back for Thanksgiving, let's play again there. And then a couple months after that Thanksgiving session, we went, there's seven of us playing. Round trip tickets if we buy ahead of time are like 400 bucks, 500 bucks. Would everyone be okay to chip in to fly Nick? Nick Marini on him actually is the guy that moved to California he's been playing in it for nine and a half years. Uh, flew him back out and we just all suddenly went like this is important enough for us that we're gonna. I,
1: I, had, a, I had a moment at a home game where we hadn't played for a while. Uh, because one of them had a baby. (laughs) Maybe like a couple of months or three months. So we actually got together at that person's house. Um, They had the baby, they were gonna put him down, so we just met earlier, whatever. And we started to talk, we were catching up. Everything had happened, a couple of terrible things, a couple of great things. We were all catching up, and about like two hours in of just talking, I was like, well, I prepared a game, but it seems like we're having a great time. And also, this seems important, Like we should catch up. Um, So I am, open to whatever we do next, but if we're gonna play, like, we're getting down to the the wire where, you know, if we're gonna play, yeah. we should play now, um, to get something happening, and, and if not, no big deal, but we all, they were like, yeah, I don't know, this does feel good, but remind us, okay, it's been months, remind us what we did again, and as I was talking through to them of where they were, and the things that they had done and, and achieved, and what they were after now, and where they were heading, and, and the, the overarching like maybe goal that they might have been trying to achieve and what their parents had tried to do in years past and they were like okay yeah we i want to we have to play like it, to play. you know it was this it, but it's so it's so nice when life seems so important and and you realize that even though life is very important you don't have control over it, so give me that thing I have control over, <laughs> I think is what was happening, where they were like, yeah, but I can be, in this land, I know at least what my goals are, and I, I can roll my dice and know that I'm at least going towards something, whereas all these other things that were bad or good or whatever, it was like, and so we'll all just kind of wait and see, how are you doing there, yeah, good, there's only so much you can circle around with
0: life. Yeah, and I think, too, there's something here that's a little bit, I totally agree with that, and that's beautiful, but I think there's a clue in what you're saying in terms of making a game sustainable, which is that in order for a game to have longevity, and this is not the sole responsibility of the dungeon master, it's not like if your game falls apart, it wasn't because you fucked up, it wasn't because you did anything bad, don't put that trip on yourself, but I think our nine and a half year long game would have fallen apart if even a single person felt Detached from the importance of the story. Of Ooh, the game. That's
1: why we, I wanted to come on and talk about it anyway in the first place. Yeah, right?
0: exactly. like adding
1: importance to story.
0: Adding the importance of the story. I think that, and it's no shade on dungeon crawls. It's no shade on hack and slash style games. Those are really fun. Doing a big ass dungeon crawl is great. They're not mutually exclusive, they're, Brennan. And they're not mutually exclusive. That's no. absolutely true. It's. V- challenge it, when it comes time to buy, and now, by the way, of the seven of us, three live in LA, three live in New York, one lives in Chicago. So when we play now, as we do every four to six months, uh, when we, it's three to four people flying across the country. Right. It's a big commitment, financially, everything else. But we're nine years in on this story. Mm -hmm. So I think that for those of you that want that long running game, the attachment and the shared ownership of the world. Mm. Uh, in Aridane. each of them has played like multiple different PCs and explored different parts of the world. We've done like w- when one person can't make it, we will shift the focus and do a one-off in another part of the world.
1: Right, and right.
0: so that, that so that the PCs now feel even more ownership over the setting.
1: An easy I think an easy way in for that, especially for new dungeon masters or if you're putting together a new group or even now um, uh, develop a list, what I do is like 15 questions of like how they fit in this world, um, challenge them, because a lot of, I will say a lot of d players want to be the orphan, or the outcast, or the um, person who didn't fit in, or the person who was left after everything was destroyed. That is, that can only take you so far, because there has to be, um, it's a life, you know. It's years. It could be over 100 years that, that some of these races live. So mm-hmm. you you don't you you aren't this isolated vacuum character. So you have to challenge them, um, ask questions about who they are related to outside of the party. Uh, obviously, for role playing, you want them to have a relationship within the party, but they've gotta have a connection to something outside of the party as well, whether it is a tribe that actually still exists, and boy, was it hard to leave and go adventure, you know, and that was a tough decision. Or maybe it was an easy decision, everyone's rooting for them. Um, But I, I, just develop like 20 questions that they can just make up, have fun. Doesn't have to matter. But then when you throw fucking Mark into the story, and Mark just was, you know, they just were like, oh, this guy Mark was, you know, at the bar and he he pissed me off, a, a, whatever. A, a lot of times, never did any work. And then when Mark shows up and is like, hey, uh, I want to join the party, it's like it gives them something to go off of. It draws them back to the place where they lived initially. Um, but exterior relationships to player to uh, NPCs and also locations um, is really important. And, and if they're writers or if they want to write about this, the town they're from, let them do that. Like, uh, there's there's a lot that can be done, and actually would take a lot of weight off the DM's shoulders that I've I've let no them develop. Uh, and I think, and and then oh yeah, like then you can write them letters or you know like. Um, oh, remember that symbol that you said? Well, and then you find a little charm on Etsy or a charm on Amazon, and oh, it's a star. What, oh, you found that, you know? And it, it's something that connects them to the world. It's an easy way to make them cry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, God, I mean, no man is an island. Only in weird. Is that your
1: experience, though? Like, when yeah. players start, they're like, I'm the one person, and that's true. They're adventurous, they're heroes. They're I- fucking heroes, but they're not
0: yeah, Amy, I wow. worked at a LARP camp where 12 year old boys would come and make heroes. So I am used to going around a circle of 10 different people and be like, all right guys, we're gonna talk about what our heroes are in the game we're gonna play today. What are your names? Wolf Dark Moon. I'm an orphan. The my, best. my parents were killed by wolves and then the wolves killed themselves and then I killed the wolves again in the afterworld. Mm. And then the next one's oh, like, my name is Damien Silverblade, I'm an orphan as well. I'm yes. a loner. And you're like, oh cool, so our team of Rangers is 11 loners in a row. Well gang, we're gonna get our ass kicked the first time a fight breaks out and we have no pack tactics. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you
1: loners? That being said, that is how every heist movie comes together and I'm, I don't hate it. It's like people who work better, better alone and then are forced to come together, but
0: they're still not alone. And also, in terms of your story, yeah. like you're saying, if you are completely unattached to the world around you, you're not going to have a fulfilling experience. I actually threw a little bit of shade in like a over text in my web comic because I did this superhero uh, web comic uh, strong female protagonist that I write with uh, Molly Ostertag we mentioned earlier. Uh, and in it, the main character she's got a sister, and her parents are there, and it's she's got, and then she has like her friends and colleagues at work. And my experience of life, I don't know if this is true for everybody, rather than being isolated, my experience is the stress of attachment to multiple beautiful <laughs> yeah, communities. Yeah, there's more conflict, you have, you know, yeah. You, know, you have obligation and responsibility to and love and affection for and feelings of pain if you end up, God forbid, losing somebody. Right. And I, so to me, I'm so uninter-
1: And I'm down, I, like I'm not, sh- it's not just orphans, it's, it's like, the lack of anything, because even orphans have, you know, even Harry Potter has Hogwarts, you know, right?
0: And he has Hermione and Ron. Yes. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't need to be familial blood relation. Found right. family is right. great. Let's say you're playing this. House. I just want to know who I can kill that will make you mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. How can I hurt you? Um,
1: <laughs> that being said, like when we were talking about dungeons and how to make those important, like um, it, it actually is a lot. Easier when you have all that information from the players that they develop themselves, because you can be like, "Oh, this wasn't just a dungeon that I'm reading from a module that someone else wrote. No, this is the familial tomb." And I think that's how everyone should play um, Forgotten Realms, Faerun, anything that someone else wrote and developed. You're just like, you pick a city or you pick a thing, and then you come up with the way that works for you. Like, and you yeah. get inspiration from it. But, but the dungeon or the tomb or whatever it put a person there or something that is like oh yes i knew your mother or i oh yes we i i actually know who you are and there's a prophecy and it looks like you're you're here to fulfill it or whatever yeah. and every trap someone set those traps the, the dungeon just didn't like sim city plop down and dungeon traps it's like somebody went through you got to like ask yourself like why are the why are why are there so many traps? Does some of this person like trap trapophile? What's your deal? That's also something I Which do. Which is someone who I just almost, likes mic trap right. <laughs> yeah, there you go,
0: exactly. Well, it's also funny too because when you have something like a dungeon full of traps, you got to be very careful too. I very rarely use traps because I very rarely use traditional dungeons. Right. Most of the of like the battle maps that I use are uh, places of import for very dynamic, I, I'm much more likely to set a campaign in a war than in dungeon crawling. Cool. So the dungeons are gonna be like this flying sky ship where there's enemy soldiers that you're well, fighting. that's
1: the thing, I think that's going, I think the dungeon crawl, I don't wanna say it's antiquated, but I haven't, as far as streaming and just what I play too, it's, it's less, because it's just less fun and, and it's less used I think for that reason because to go through where you're like, okay, now you see a door on the left, a door on the front, and a door on the right. Which way do you go? Okay, this way. But like that's an that's an easy multiple choice answer of of and pretty pretty binary. Like maybe yeah. it's tertiary, but it's pretty binary. And and the better decision is here are these people giving you these emotions, and they've got this this visage, and and these are the things that they're thinking like yeah. now, now deal with, deal with humanity as yeah. opposed to
0: like answering a multiple choice quiz. Yeah, and getting into the logic of how people interact with their environments is really crucial. Like, if you have a bunch of living organisms living in a dungeon with traps, you're telling me these goblins aren't constantly getting themselves I- darted in the ass by poison darts? <laughs> They're gonna be like, take these fucking traps down. I had to walk through this passage every fucking day. <laughs> every
1: time you say traps now, I'm only thinking of Mike
0: Trap. My Trap, yeah. Uh, we- he does booby trap the Office a lot. <laughs> and every time he says you got trapped um, uh, the that's, that's dumb Brandon. that's real dumb uh, that's real dumb uh, so to wrap up that final thing of the nine and a half year long uh, campaign uh, <laughs> loud and clear loud and clear uh, or rather to say to, ra- to wrap up Kamania's question here um, I think that campaigns that become important stories to your players are gonna be easier for them to prioritize. At the end of the day, what you're talking about when you're talking about commitment is what are the reasons that we have to prioritize this over something else? Because the truth is, even with busy parents, even with everyone else, people are going to find a way to prioritize something that gives them sanity. No Mm. one's literally like, I wake up every day and serve others and then go to sleep and that's me time. (laughs) You know, for for mental health, something, even if it's just watching a little bit of TV or some Netflix or something, is going to be a way that people self-soothe. And what you're asking yourself is, have we shared a story that is meaningful enough to us that we can prioritize it not over children, God forbid, but over that two hours of Netflix? You're
1: actually the way that you're talking and the things that you're mentioning, it just reminds me of just dating advice where where you're just like because it's so true, it just fits a lot of ways where you're like when you first meet someone or like you, you play together as a party, take the pressure off. Like this doesn't have to be the nine year commitment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna see how this goes, and if we want to come back for another session, we'll come back for another session. And if one person gets replaced or we move it around, that's fine. Eventually, we'll find the core. So the pressure of like really wanting the campaign, just sit back, relax, and let Mr. Right campaign find you.
0: That's really true, and I, and I, also I, Netflix. Be, yeah, but also being like a parent about it, it's like, hey, if your campaign ended, it wasn't the one for you. It wasn't the one. There's another one. There's plenty of fish in the sea, but um, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm gonna throw. Something to go back to an earlier topic we were talking about, which is that idea of, you alighted on this when you were talking about people making these kind of cardboard two-dimensional characters, right? Or the idea of characters that aren't serving you. I'm gonna bring something up which is a little bit controversial, and I think it's a job of the DM that doesn't get discussed enough, and I wanna hear your take on this. What do you do as a dungeon master in the process of character creation, when you're helping your PCs understand your setting to build their characters. Some people might not even know what I'm talking about. they would be like, don't the PCs just make their own characters and show up? Mm. If you do that, that's fine. But I'm talking about, I think the most important, unsung, unspoken role of a DM is to guide your PCs through the character creation process. What do you do as a DM when you know someone is fucking themselves over by making a character that you suspect pretty hard is not gonna be fun for them to play? I've seen it happen. Oh, time, and I, know this oh right, I see. Like you see, uh, Give me an example. Here's an example. You've got a whole adventure set up. You got four players at the table. Three of them have made really fun characters that all tonally match whatever you're going for. If it's a whimsical comedic game, they've made whimsical comedic characters. If it's a moody dark game, they've made moody dark characters with a lot to lose. And a fourth person says, "My name's Trellbor. I'm a barbarian. I am an orphan. I don't have any I didn't mm. I don't know. I don't have a reason to be adventuring, but I'm a barbarian." And you watch, like, what do you do as you see somebody it, not okay. spot the clip? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. So if we're if we're just talking about beginning stuff, I actually am more like campaign running is is di- more difficult for some of us, Brennan, to <laughs> get people to show the fuck up. But so so one offs or like short term things are a little easier for me, especially with streaming. Um, you get those three session campaigns or something that's bite sized and um. All the busy schedules can match up at least for you know three weeks. So, um, the the easiest way for me is to have th- those sets of questions, which I I should I just should I've, I should have had I should have had prepared. But it is ba- uh, have those sets of questions. Everyone has to answer them. Um, the other thing is, oh, uh, I, I when I write out those, especially initial adventures. Um, I have my setting and I have these things that I wanna do. For instance, I'll just do, for instance, so tomorrow I'm doing a a holiday themed uh, one and, and we're celebrating Jingle's Hearth in Sacomber. So the first thing out of the gate, I'm like, it's it's basically, Jingle's Hearth is what we all establishes whatever we celebrate over the holidays, the end of the year, uh, celebration of the failures but also successes and how they change us as a person. So let's celebrate that. It's cold but here we are warm together. Um, lots, of, lots of snuggly feelings. So, um, asking them, well, what was your favorite adventure or success or failure of last year? And also, what are you? What's your, the tradition that you're most looking forward to at Jingle's Hearth? Great, that is canon. That is part of the story. So, um, especially in the first uh, game, you you need they can answer those questions, and then you fill in some blanks. Like, like, okay, great. Like you have all this. You know what else is true? Um, you actually know the name of the people you watched. Uh, get murdered, or the person you know the name of the person who killed your parents that you watch yeah. from under the bed. You know that, and you also have this um, item left behind from your parents. Like they didn't die, and you just cried for years. You know there there was a sense of there. There's just more. You just yes, and them. I guess so. Mm. It's I don't. I haven't run into yet people building characters that they don't love or that get them in trouble. I know though that I'm lucky in that I'm playing with streamers and and um semi-professional role players who actually know how to uh, manipulate their fun uh, yeah. into maximum, but i that's how I do it, is ask them questions, yes, and their answers, um, and then some, somehow make them, Related to each other. I
0: like, yes, and is a great, for those who don't know, yes, and is the number one principle of improvisation. I've heard
1: of it. Heard of it. I I feel like. Read an
0: article. I feel like people know it. I know people, that's the one thing people say when they come to improvise, yes, and. But but I think what's good, what you're, the thing about the yes, and there is the affirmation of the choice already made, but an insistence as a dungeon master for more. And I think that's Mm. an easy way to do it because the and is a command. You're Mm. saying yes, and. Give me more about this character. And I think it's critical because what this comes down to is a balance between that kind of respecting autonomy versus doing what you think is the best for someone. Because I've seen people, let me give you an example of watching someone faceplant in a way and, and you're respecting their autonomy by saying, I'm seeing you head to this cliff and there you go. I respected your autonomy, now you're plummeting to your doom. I, I watched someone make a DD and d character for the first time and they were had this idea of a hero they wanted to play. They wanted to play this paladin. But they wanted to play a plucky, paladin so they made this uh, sort of halfling paladin and they're like I want this paladin to be really tiny and clumsy but they believe in themselves and they try hard and they rolled their stats and I watched them put uh, an 8 in strength and a 10 in dexterity oh, I see. and they did this other thing and I was like okay okay I, I get what you're going for but they and they went like but they're plucky and they saved the day through their pluck and I'm going pluck ain't <laughs> a game mechanic yeah, you motherfucker yeah you can't roll for pluck and ooh
1: fun witticisms i'll I'll kill the monster with my wit <laughs>
0: and you watch as you go like you know cuz some, some people well, that's just one example that's an example of that happening through the literal mechanics of the game sure. but you watch Someone go like. At what point as a DM do you step in and go?
1: So if that happened, and this is so totally hypothetical, um, because the the player's handbook gives you at least the top two um, traits or abilities that you should be doing as your class. So if you choose to go opposite that, and and it's fun. Like, and somehow you're having fun, great. If not, re- fine, re roll. Like, I'm down, yeah. I'm down uh, session two, session three. That wasn't what you meant. That's fine. We can still do plucky, we can still do all this,
0: but you can also be um, like effective. Yeah. And I think also explaining to people, like, hey, this is not a movie. We're in a world that has the tropes and lore of these high fantasy stories, yeah. but you're not. Protected by plot here. That, you don't have that, plot armor. That's that's so. also
1: like I mean if. I- I mean, I would just, I really would see how they play, and if they are trying to persuade their way out of stuff, I would just be like, great, can we consider, can we consider Warlock? Like, something with better charisma, or can we consider Bard? Like, like let's just, you're playing this already, by the way, you still can have your fun sword, you know, you yeah. still can have your plate mail, um, maybe not as a Warlock, but you can still have this stuff that you that you want, but yeah, like, just, you, you're branding your own thing, and there actually is a mechanic for that.
0: I Exactly, and I think leading people through that is really, important. And I think though that what's harder is when people do that emotionally or narratively, design a character to not not be fun. And I think that there are a lot of very common pitfalls. I think quiet antisocial loners are a type of character people make a lot that to me, mm. new players love those characters, and I would only trust a very advanced player to play Absolutely. one.
1: Absolutely, uh, some I, I've seen this a lot too, um, because and and this even is on stream because you think you're surrounded by all these charismatic people, and then you you pick. Um, a character who is a little like Lori from Silicon Valley, or, or you know, I, I don't know the PC way of saying it, but um, less emotional, I guess. Yeah, exactly. um, Just a little more, a, a little more aloof. logic and aloof, yeah. and and I process things differently. And you can play that, and um, that is fine, I guess. But that you got to know what the trigger is to get your character emotional, because yeah. that, you know, even Lori from Silicon Valley is not is not operating. Um, where she doesn't care, yeah. you know, and, and that can be, yeah, another, another.
0: Yeah, and going in and finding those moment. spots, like whether your character's like this or or your character's disaffected or apathetic. Yes. Like I used to give an improv note when I was teaching and coaching a lot when people would pick, because I would say like, pick a big emotion, people would pick big angry, big sad, big happy, fun, 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 fun. And then sometimes people would pick big bored. Right. And it's like, you, I would go, the problem with, Choosing boring is you might succeed, <laughs>
1: right? And now, well, big also means it should be um, positive or negative. Like yeah. the, the middle ground, it's just there's no there's no real place for it. Um, same same token for if if the player is making a choice, everyone if if everything's all my biggest thing is sometimes you get you get bogged down with decision making, and you just have to be like, hey, you have to pick something. Whatever you pick. Guess what? Adventure will happen, and that ain't so bad. <laughs> you know? So it's like, but the one thing is if the group is going this way and you have a you have a, a bad uh, vibe about it and you can't go and you would rather just go to the bar instead, just use it, go, you have to go to the place. Like yeah. you can't just like hang out at the bar. And basically for a while, be an NPC, um, I'm roping you into this thing and you can have your panic attack. And won't that be fun? Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah. absolutely. We want to see you guys go through it. We want to see you put through the ringer. Uh, Speaking a little bit about that, about like, hey, whatever, an adventure will happen. Um, We talked about this a little bit last week with Lou Wilson, but I wanted to touch on this again, because now we're talking about, like in character creation and then in the game, how to facilitate people having fun. And I love what you said before about, like, what's the point of this game?
1: Oh, I told you this beforehand. So my biggest thing about Dungeons and Dragons, fuck the book fuck the minis <laughs> fuck the maps fuck everything if you and your and your buddies and the plot fuck the plot fuck the story yeah. if if you and your buddies get together and literally all you did was like explore a room and, and meanwhile you got drunk and made each other laugh. You did D D. You did it. To the chagrin of the dungeon master who prepped for hours for it. But there is there is nothing wrong with that. Like you can just take the take a load off if you're having fun with your friends. That's why I want players. That's why whenever I, I GM, I'm like you i will gm you 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 it's not going to be my friends i'm not bringing my friends you bring yours and i'll get to know them and we'll all have fun but but it is your game so so be free merry and fun because i i'll be here to guide you and ideally i become friends with you too but
0: yeah um but i love that and the idea of like you are facilitating the experience at the table mm-hmm. and there are so many ways that human psychology i think is broken in terms of uh we want a thing and we make a plan to get the thing, and we're so focused on making the plan to get the thing that we go, the thing falls right into our lap, and we go, I can't have the thing fall into my lap. I'm busy making the plan to get the thing. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. that's so that happens in a million different ways yeah. where you go, like, uh, you over. Hype all of these tricks and schemes and methods, and dah, 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 dah. when you get to the table, you have to throw all that away. There's an old, like, patent quote that I think is like, Plans are useless, planning is essential, which mm-hmm. has to do with the idea. I think it was a great thing for DMs to memorize, yeah. which is like, No, you, planning is essential. Make an adventure because you want toys in the toy chest for your players. If they're not feisty that night, you should have stuff to throw at them. Yeah. But Remember that if shit hits the fan, and everything goes sideways, the thing you came to do was have fun. And the thing you came to do was be here for these people at the table. And-
1: And if we're going on that metaphor, expect the toys to be broken. Keep that toy chest there, though. Like, keep Mm -hmm. the toy chest locked. Because you gotta know, there are certain things you have to know, and a lot of it is just story points of, the best D and D games are actually mysteries. Like they they, yeah. they are mysteries. They're figuring it out, um, knowing knowing a certain level of information and operating from what you know, getting to the next level of information of what you know, and then going there and then doing what you're, you are you got to do there. Uh Oh, that wasn't what you thought either. So so now you're doing this thing and 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 this cause and effect roller coaster. Um, that you have to know and it just doesn't matter if they know it <laughs> because they'll break everything along the way and you got to know what the consequences are but it doesn't have to change you yeah. know like like you can drop a clue here oh no they didn't go to the blacksmith they went to the bar instead oh okay well that npc knows the info then you know yeah. you know like they 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 can't break it too much especially if they're having fun
0: that's also a thing too is to recognize that there's not this this big distinction between prep work and writing ahead of the game happening, and then you executing your own script. You're still writing when you're doing the game.
1: I would like this is, this is a this is a what not to do. I got very upset this one time, of a I was a I was a player. We were playing a, a longer campaign, probably like two and a half years. Okay, <laughs> don't judge. It was longer for me. Wow, but it was It was like two and a half years and we'd established this character. Um her her whole thing was um needing family and everyone she would just call everyone family and, and that was the whole her whole deal. She there was one bad guy that I had written out in my backstory and, and we played that. We got to the point where we killed him. Then the next game, without talking to any of us players, the next thing was like and now 10 years have passed and and s- something has happened where your character's notion of family has basically turned into communist comrades so like join the join the family are you part of the family and like it in 10 years a whole political downfall restructuring happened throughout the entire land and now my character was the bad guy which wonderful plot hook Wait, I went, the
0: dm turned your character into a villain without talking to you s-
1: basically and then so the first thing i did i was like I'm going to I need to I have to sneak away and hide. Like my this isn't what I wanted. This is crazy. And and I need to hide myself from everything. And so what happened was I did. And I snuck away and and from the party, from everything. I was going to go into the mountains and he goes, "Well, great. Now you broke the game." And I go, "Well, no, I didn't." Fuck I made, that guy. I made a choice. I made a choice because of of the circumstances that I was given. And what so, else could have happened is my uh, the other players were like, "Hey, where where'd she? Oh, I woke up and where'd she go? we will go find one of them." Had scry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like well, this wasn't. I didn't break anything. Like, like I and I guess the 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 impetus is you can't be married to what you do. If you make a big choice, everyone else is also allowed to make a big choice. Yes, um, and as a DM, you may get told no, like uh, no. Yes. No, I'm not doing First that. First of all, and that's amazing.
0: So he wanted like what a weird PvP campaign where you guys, whether you were going to be fought by the other players at the table or something. Like um,
1: that? i d- it y- yeah, like I mean, yeah. it's not worth getting into motivations or, or anything right. like that. But it's a lesson I think, and and I've taken that. I've actually yeah. taken it to heart. It was a learning experience, I think, for everybody because. The way D and ds built, every it's a joke now when people are like, "Did you win D and D?" Yeah. And the fun answer is, "There's no winning. You can play forever." But that that's what it is. Yeah. It's just it's a TV show. It's not a movie.
0: There's no end. First of all, I dislike the weird libertarian values of that 10 year shift, uh, making, what's wrong with communism? Um, uh, yeah, okay, we're all a big family, great. Yeah, we're all passengers on spaceship earth, go fuck yourself, um, that's yeah. just me. Uh, uh, but I will also say that, yeah, you have to talk to your, pe- if you're gonna do a 10 year time jump, your job as a DM is to go, what did your characters do Absolutely. in the interim? It's
1: the same It's the same rebuilding, it's as if they're entering into the new thing, so re the questions. Um, let them know where you're coming from. Who's to say I wouldn't have been like, "Oh, wow, that's interesting." Yeah, I he. Wa- I know he wanted me to go fight the person who flipped my who flipped that on a dime.
0: B. I would say this. This this is a really, I this is a very usable piece of dungeon master advice for those you're watching. That because we talk a lot of grand theory here on this show, but here's something really consequence uh, 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 really consequential that you can just do. I would say be really careful, be really fucking careful with trippy form bending stuff. In terms of like, it's 10 years, you're all different people, okay. Um, All you guys lose your memories and your abilities, okay. Things that, the whole point of what your PCs are trying to do, they're playing a different game than the DMs, I often say this, the DMs playing a different game than the players are. The DMs playing a game about imagination because the DMs coming up with shit constantly. The PCs aren't coming up with anything. They are immersing. They're not imagining, they're immersing. They have one character, they're getting sensory information. Mm.
1: Yeah, and and when when you are building the game and being a dungeon master, the simple answer is the best answer. If if they know what the goal like most uh, the um one, there was a time when somebody said, "I get, I get that I have to kill this guy. I have no idea how," and I'm like, "Great." I, did the, I didn't I did tell you you know like the, yeah. it's the simple answer it's like if you kill this guy give them a way to kill it if there's a puzzle give them a way to solve it like there's they want that like they yeah. want they, they don't want it spoon fed necessarily but the simple answer is better don't develop this um, intense mystery where they're like oh the clue thing that you said you know five sessions ago that no one's gonna remember because we were all drunk that's the answer no no like going the journey of just walking to the thing will be exciting for them you yeah. know it should be there's they're going to encounter whatever they encounter and bond together
0: it is it's a it is a huge deal to kill someone's character in a game even more than killing someone's character is causing them to have to change their identity when they didn't want to. Because if you mm. kill a character, they're still them in Mount Celestia somewhere doing some shit like robbing memories away, changing what someone's values Ooh, were. Although robbing memories is like a really fun uh, like game tactic. I I am going to beg to differ, and the, I guess I'll offer a caution against that. All that a character is is a pastiche of a couple different changes on top of your own mind. So if you, st- you know, I this come I come from a LARPing background. Uh-huh. When we had LARPs where people's memories were robbed, yeah. effectively like your memories are gone. It's supposed to conjure this feeling of like misty amnesia, oh, but it. instead, what happens is you're just like, well, now I'm just Kyle, and I see my sneakers on my no, feet.
1: No, I mean, I mean the threat of of memories going away, where you're like, okay, like you see, uh, I I, I re- recently ran a game where. The threat you could see uh, the NPCs kind of going blank, and sure. you could, and then I like handed out a script for them to read, and some of the words were missing. I was like, "Yeah, you guys are bards, and you're forgetting, like, the words of the script." So then you find a th- th- that's yeah. just a plot to like for them to go and get, 100%. but no, not not like blank
0: out person, blank out person, because again, not lobotomy. Yeah, lo- anything like lobotomizing or even like big alignment changing right, magic, right? I'm not saying never do it, but I'm saying that has to be, the person's number one toy they're playing with at the table is this identity they've crafted. And when you start fucking with that, it actually makes the game even less fun than if you killed the character.
1: uh, We played a second edition uh game back in college and one guy, had his character flaw was amnesia, but the workaround was he had an amulet that let him remember who his friends were if he lost the amulet, he also had this training that was like a four-step program where it was like assess the situation, who is bad and who is good, um, defend the good, fight the bad, um, run away. And, Mm -hmm. And if he could do those in that order, uh, then that's that that and if his amulet was gone, that's what he would do. But it was like we had to have a structure for someone with amnesia, which I think is actually um, grounded in real life yeah. circumstances Ooh, too. Wow. Yeah,
0: um, that's really exciting. Again, in real life, there are things. That, well,
1: you that, know, like amnesia, yeah. you you write a note to yourself every more, for every morning, yeah. or you you like have these. Oh, I play the tape recorder or whatever.
0: Well, like Memento is an amazing movie, but it's an amazing movie. And I think it would be hard to play that character in tabletop because part of what you're trying to do is get lost in a character. right? And that can be hard to do uh, when that stuff is uh, disappearing. Um, The time has flown by. Yes. Any final thoughts on- Yes,
1: I have to tell you, because because you didn't even know uh, about this today, Cobalt, Dot club. Oh, Cobalt Fight Club. Cobalt Fight Club, go to cobalt.club and it gives you, um, it does all the math of mechanics and and encounters for you, you can plug in how many players, what levels they are, um, you can search monsters and everything, buy, buy the books, by type,
0: it's a big old cheat. It's what a tool, Amy blew my mind coming into the office today, Cobalt Fight Club, Whew, talk about a lot of work taken off your plate uh, rock and roll Amy thank you so much for coming on this show today it was a pleasure having you
1: I love talking about d and I'll do it all my life
0: <laughs> thank you, <laughs> you for having thanks me thanks so much guys this has been a Dropout podcast for video of today's show plus more exclusive series go to dropout.tv